Welcome to Journal Talk, a weekly podcast about journal writing for passion, clarity, and purpose. Passion. Reignite that passion for the things and people you care about most. Clarity. Discover who you are and what you really want. Purpose. Get to the heart of life's issues to remember your divine purpose. And now, here's your host of Journal Talk, Nathan Oren. Hello, and welcome to episode number 71 of Journal Talk. I am really excited to share with you another conversation with Kay Adams, the founder and creator of the Journalverse, the Center for Journal Therapy, and the Therapeutic Writing Institute. And since our last conversation with Kay, way back in episode 19, wow, two years ago, Kay has been around the world speaking. She's just completed an entire series of encyclopedia-like reference manuals for using journal therapy, not only in a counseling practice, but specific techniques for just about every niche and form imaginable, from school teachers to prisons to at-risk youth, the healthcare field, and more. So much to talk about in this conversation. It packs a lot of information, but there's three things I don't want you to miss. Uh, number one is the journal conference. Number two, the 30-day digital journaling challenge results. And number three is your brain on ink. Let me just break those down a little bit. Number one in this conversation, um, there's a journal conference coming up soon. And so I want you to mark your calendars. I normally don't like to share date-specific announcements in a podcast because podcasting is such a timeless craft. Uh, the majority of the listeners to this episode are people who are downloading this way in the future. So hello to you future downloaders. <laughs> but this one is worth mentioning to the folks that downloaded when it got published. May 19 through 22, 2016, there's a beautiful weekend planned in Hendersonville, North Carolina. There's a retreat center there called Canuga. It's a peaceful, serene location in the country woods. And this journal conference is celebrating the 30th anniversary of Kay's life work in journal therapy. But just like a true visionary, Kay is theming the conference, pioneering the next 30 years in journal therapy. So she's really looking ahead. There's a great lineup of speakers, people who have been on this program before, Dr. John Evans and Barbara Stahura, who's a certified journal facilitator that specializes in brain injury. Natasha Trethaway, who's the 2007 Pulitzer Prize winner and the 2012, 13, and 14 U.S. Poet Laureate. Also, the founder of the National Association for Memoir Writers, Linda Joy Myers, is scheduled to speak there, as well as Christina Baldwin. Wow. I mean, Christina Baldwin, to, to be able to listen and uh, be with her speaking is worth the price of admission by itself. You're going to hear Kay in this conversation nudging me to submit my proposal for a training session in this interview. And uh, I was scheduled to teach a class on digital journaling on day two of this conference. And I finally did submit my proposal, which was accepted by the committee. But I just could not get all the helpings on my plate to uh, make room 
for me to be gone that week. So I unfortunately won't be there, but there will be loads of Journal Talk listeners and guests at the conference. It's cheap. The last live journal conference was way back in, she mentions it, 2002 or 2003. This does not happen very often. So you can visit journaltherapy.com slash conferences to get all the information on registration. That's number one, the journal conference. Number two, the 30-day digital journaling challenge. Now, somehow, while doing all of these things, Kay and I, and actually another amazing colleague of ours, um, Brenda Hudson, wrote a research paper together describing the results of the 30-day digital journaling challenge that I started back in 2014. Kay was interested right away. Uh, she interviewed me on her uh, for her program, and we started collecting questionnaires. The challenge itself still continues at easyjournaling.com slash 30daychallenge. It's free. Anyone can sign up. But the first 1,500 participants in that challenge were asked to complete a series of questionnaires before and after the 30-day challenge, and then three months later. And we collected all those details about their opinions and experience using a keyboard instead of a pen or pencil to do their journal writing. Now, personally, I knew uh, when I made that switch, digital journaling worked for me, and so I suspected that it would work well for other people. And even some of the diehard pen and paper folks out there I, I knew would find value in it, but I never would have predicted what the actual results showed. For example, over 70% of all the people who did the challenge, whether they came from a journaling background or not, whether they used pen and paper before in the past or not, 70% of all participants said that they experienced surprising and unexpected results from digital journaling over the past 30 days that they were doing it. There were so many benefits that were named. Almost 70% of all people got clarity and insight on difficult issues. Half the people, over half the people, found that digital journaling helped them to reduce stress. And another 51% said that um, digital journaling helped them in uncovering passions, goals, or discover their creativity. So just to mention a couple of um, items, you can get a full copy of this research paper from the show notes on this episode, which is writeforlife.com slash next 30 years. And we'll talk about that in this conversation. The third thing, and then I'll turn it over to uh, Kay and I, is Your Brain on Ink. Still to this day, the most popular, the most downloaded episode of this program, uh, Journal Talk, is the one about Your Brain on Ink, where my guest, Deborah Ross, who will also be at the uh, journal conference, shares how journal writing is related to neuroplasticity, which is the science of how your brain alters itself. And from her material, Deborah teaches a class at the Therapeutic Writing Institute, and both she and Kay have woven together a unique handbook for self-awareness, mindfulness, healing, and growth, all in the context of modern brain science. They provide uh, guided exercises that distill decades of scholarly research into fresh and intuitive journaling prompts. Now, this book is uh, an invitation to watch your own brain at work, and it provides fascinating and ready access 
direct passion, clarity, and purpose so close to my heart. You can learn more about Deborah Ross and her book from the episode writeforlife.com slash your hyphen brain hyphen on hyphen ink, your brain on ink with hyphens in between the words, uh, www.writeforlife.com slash your brain on ink with hyphens uh, th- between the words. I've also included the link uh, for Your Brain on Ink, which is the workbook on Amazon. It's just about ready to get um, published. In fact, I think it will debut at the journal conference. So you can take a look at that. Have fun with this episode number 71 of Journal Talk. And please, please let me know what you've learned at the journal conference. Would you go there? Have fun. Let me know what you've learned when you get back. Thanks a lot. And uh, with me now in the recording studio, <laughs> I have Kathleen Adams. Hi, Kathleen. Hey, Nathan. How are you? Hey, as you like to be called. Um, yes. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? Well, I'm really glad to be back on Colorado soil again. I've been <laughs> spending the autumn kind of on the run, and uh, it's good to be home. Yes, yes. I want to hear all about your adventures for those who may not know, Kay is a best-selling author, a speaker, psychotherapist, and a pioneer in the field of journal therapy. And uh, I remember reading her first book, Journal to the Self, not knowing that it was a real classic that's really shaped the role of what a journal therapist is. And she's gone on to write several other books, uh, The Right Way to Wellness, uh, The Way of the Journal, Mightier Than the Sword, Scribing the Soul, just to mention a few. How many books are there now, Kay? Well, um, there are six books that I have written and published in my autonomous self, my independent self. So six books prior to the book series. And now I am the series editor for a series of 10 books that I have either directly authored or co-authored or edited or Mm -hmm. overseen the process. Well, I think we're going to talk about that more later. So Ones with my name on them coming up on, I think, 11. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And I remember when we last spoke, you were just beginning those books, that series of books. But yeah, it was the very beginning stages. And now it's (laughs) almost done. I'm almost through. I'm so happy about that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you have founded the uh, Center for Journal Therapy and its uh, sister uh, group, the uh, Therapeutic Writing Institute. Can you tell people a little bit about that and, and its mission? Yeah, thanks. The Center for Journal Therapy is the company that I started, you know, in my basement. And those days, my office was in the laundry room. And it was my answering machine and, you know, my Apple IIe computer and me. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And it was it was a vision that I had that there would that journal therapy could be the thing that I did. I stumbled into this work completely by accident, knew immediately that the marriage of writing and my studies at that time in therapy were my life's work. And when I graduated, I started the Center for Journal Therapy as a concept more than anything else. And then it fairly rapidly grew into an actual thing, the mission for which is to make the healing art and science of journal writing accessible to all who desire self-directed change. Mm -hmm. And that 
mission gets lived out by hundreds of certified instructors of the Journal to the Self Workshop, of which you are one, Nathan, mm-hmm. and we're so happy to have you all over the world. And the books and my teaching, I mean, just the whole kind of umbrella of things that I've explored along the way. And then the Therapeutic Writing Institute is the professional development, the professional training division of the Mm -hmm. Center for Journal Therapy. It's an online school for people who want to learn how to competently and confidently and ethically facilitate this work with others. And we have two levels. One is for people who are not psychotherapists, and the Mm -hmm. other track is for people who do have training as psychotherapists. It's exactly the same coursework, but we have slightly different expectations of of the sure. two groups. Sure, and it follows all the standards and requirements for getting the certified education units, uh, CEUs. Yes. yes, almost all of the courses at TWI do qualify for continuing education for therapists, the caveat being that many of our very best faculty are not therapists and Unless there's some co-teaching arrangement, we cannot offer all classes for CEs, but we certainly have plenty that we can. And the classes themselves are consistently excellent. I mean, there's just so much there, too. You've got everything from the the Pennebaker studies and the the Progoff method and um, and day-to-day practical stuff like the uh, Mm -hmm. social media, the social media stuff and I mean, just yeah, yeah, business Heather, skills Heather and everything. Yeah, it's a really, the curriculum is designed to prepare people to take this work out and actually make a career out of it. People can take classes just for the fun of it, but for people who are on the training track, we also have a professional development required set of classes. So they learn marketing and curriculum design and social networking, research, those kinds of things. And then... Mm-hmm. People who are not therapists take a psychological awareness facilitation package and ethics course. Then there's a supervised practicum. It's a very robust program. It's I designed it to be equivalent to a master's degree in therapeutic writing, although I'll there say, isn't such thing. <laughs> there is yeah. no such thing as a master's degree in therapeutic writing, at least in the United States. Written has a few programs. But yeah, you know, it's a start. It's a very we've been around, I can't even believe it, more than seven years now, coming up on our eighth anniversary and it's amazing. Yeah. You know, some yeah. of the people who are now. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people who have been on your show. It. It's a, I just, I'm so glad something like that exists. That it's, yeah. That it's well, made a you know, mark not, in the. It's not, not for everybody. It's not for everybody. It's for people who know that they want to be serious about best practice in the work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. who want to study with the teachers who are writing the books about how to ethically practice and how to work with different populations. So tell us about your trips in New York and neuroscience and... Oh, man, that was so fun. You've been on a, a tour, not unlike a, a rock band, going from place <laughs> to place to place. Country, yeah, country, that's, that's, even. Yeah. <laughs> Kay and the traveling purple pins. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, it's been a really fun fall. I... Um, had my 30th anniversary in this work on November 5th. And I know, thank you. It's really, you know, and sometime let's talk about the difference just in like two weeks. I know the difference between 
before 30 years and after 30 years. Well, anyway, that's a different topic for a different time. Okay. The, um, so earlier in this year, or maybe it was the end of last year, Brenda Hudson, who you know because she was our third author on the paper that we wrote yeah. together, she asked me if I would be interested in having my annual women's writing retreat at this place in Scotland that she knew. And it was mm. an island off the coast of Scotland. And I said, sure. <laughs> Sounds fun. <laughs> and, <That's my> arm. <laughs> and she she is, among many other gifts and talents, a bookmaker, a book artisan. She mm. helps people make handmade books, journals. And mm-hmm. so she does this with little kids and they make paper journals, you know, just by folding paper. I mean, she, she just does wonderful things with book arts. Anyway, long story short, we co-facilitated a week-long retreat on a deserted island off the coast of Scotland with glorious weather, fabulous wow. surroundings. It was perfect. It was so I was so cool. jealous when you were sending pictures back. I was yeah, like, oh my, my gosh. Jealousy. It was <laughs> completely magical, and the work was so deep and rich. I mean, it was like... You could just watch people change before your eyes. It was mm, phenomenal. Mm. From Scotland, I went, did some other traveling, and then ended up in England where I did a workshop with Mary Reynolds Thompson in Salisbury, which was so fun. First time we had ever taught together in person. We've taught together on conference panels, but not co-facilitating. So mm. it was absolutely wonderful. It was so fun. And I met a lot of the people that... I had met through the, Juliet um, Pratt was there from Mm, the 30 Day mm -hmm. Challenge. And she's just great. Fabulous. So it was just fun to be with the England people. Um, Then I came back and did an instructor certification training here for a week and then went to New York last week, well, week before last, to moderate a four-day expressive arts uh, conference for 900 art therapists integrated you know it's just Mm -hmm. cool Mm -hmm. so that was totally fun and now i'm home writing the last book which will be done in about a month all right and what i think you are about to embark on a conversation for later none of this existed 30 years ago i mean maybe (laughs) some types of art therapy or you know Mm. in a secret hidden pocket of but none of this i mean all these things that you're talking about how does that feel? So, well, that feels great, but it did exist. It, it did exist 30 years ago. Progoff had been doing his work for decades 30 years ago, and Pennebaker mm-hmm. had been doing research for decades. Didn't mm-hmm. start doing the expressive writing research until about 30 years ago. He and I started about the same time, but he might have been a couple of years ahead of me. But basically, the foundations for and Christine Rayner's book and Christina Baldwin's work and mm-hmm. Lucia Capiccioni's yeah. um, creative journal – the people who were the true, true pioneers in the field, I feel like a second generation pioneer, frankly. I've outlasted a lot of, you know, I mean, it's like my work continues to move um, forward in a way that is pioneering now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I'm doing things that have not been done before. But when I started out, I was really um, the first of the second generation. I see. Um, and... But yes, everything else that has happened that I have pioneered has come directly out of 
and I'm sitting in my laundry room in my office um, having a vision about what might be possible. And I had absolutely no idea what might be possible. I thought maybe I'd, you know, teach in the university someday um, right, or right. write a book. I really wanted to write a book. You know, uh-huh. I didn't have the capacity to imagine what it might become. I just wanted to teach my next class. Yeah, yeah. And now, like a garden growing everywhere, yeah. all around yeah. you and, and with yeah. you. And yeah, it's just amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. It's really great. I mean, and it goes to show you that if you plant seeds in 30 years, some of them will have grown. Mm-hmm. And you have to mm-hmm. water them and fertilize them. And, you know, I mean, you have to do the work. It's not sure. about just sitting around saying, gee, I wonder when it's going to happen. You have to, like, but along the way, it happens. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's yeah. like it, it gets yeah. really simple because all you do is the next thing that is calling you to do. And yeah. it doesn't matter whether or not it makes money. It doesn't matter whether or not it makes you famous. It doesn't matter if somebody takes your idea and turns it into something else. None of that matters because the work is getting out there. Yeah. And that's what yeah. drives, that's what has driven me for, for 30 years. Yeah. Well said. Let's talk about your book. The one that just came out that's available now. And yes. you said there's one more finishing up. Yes. And then there's one in the middle that is in production now that'll come out in a couple of months. But what are they? Where can we find okay, out about Okay, so the one that just came out, it's the eighth book of the ten. Mm-hmm. But there are three books that are collections of chapters by the top people in the field on mm-hmm. three different topics. So the first one is, and they're all called Expressive Writing, and they have different subtitles. So the first one, mm-hmm. Expressive Writing, Foundations of Practice, was essentially my first book in the series three years ago. The second anthology, Expressive Writing Classroom and Community, came out a couple of years ago, and that's mostly for teachers and school counselors and, you know, community Mm -hmm. facilitators. But this one, this last one, is Expressive Writing Counseling and Healthcare, and it's co-edited with Kate Thompson, who is the premier journal therapist in the UK and Mm -hmm. who's actually been living very near me in Boulder, Colorado, just up the road and up the mountain from me for about the last five years. So Kate was the first editor, and I was the backup editor, and she did a fabulous job of collecting the right mix of people to Mm. this book, and it's just really brilliant. It cuts new ground in several different areas. We have a chapter on the use of journaling with deaf teenagers. Mm. There's Deborah Ross, whose work is truly scientifically groundbreaking. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She is blending her studies in neuroscience with her studies in therapeutic writing. And she contributed a chapter called Your Brain on Ink, which is also the name of the last book that Mm -hmm. we're working on now. It'll go to press in about a month. And it's just an outstanding collection of John Evans has a research study in there that he did with ICU nurses on mm-hmm, compassion mm-hmm. fatigue and burnout, a writing wow. intervention. Yep. And he's the first one. John Evans is the first person to actually take the Pennebaker four-part model and extend mm-hmm. it out into six weeks. He has created and crafted a very nice six-week intervention that takes where Pennebaker ends and continues it in a group format or in an individually prescribed format and 
I am so glad that somebody finally is extending the work mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. four days, or now three mm-hmm. days. So yay, John Evans. And he tells about this study in, in the book. It's really great. It, you know, Kate wrote an epilogue on silence in the journal. Mm. It's really cool. It's a really cool book. Yeah, so, I've heard about most of those, but the one that was new to me um, in hearing in this conversation was uh, working with deaf people. That's, yeah, that's yeah, really... yeah. Donna Houston, she's a, a social worker and educator who works with deaf. She's a school counselor. American Sign Language does not translate into written English mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. The, the way it does in Comprehended. I mean, it's like messages come through and there is interpretation, but it doesn't translate very well. The words are different. Yeah, it's almost the, like the words are different, different and, they're, and the syntax is different and the vocabulary is different. And, you know, so there's not a flow of writing. So it just makes me cry. So she has this breakthrough with this teenage girl who is signing, you know, they're doing their counseling session in sign language, but then she says something in sign language that Donna translated into the English that might have appeared on a journal page, and she wrote it down on a piece of paper and showed it to her, and the girl broke into tears and signed back, I want you to show this to my mother so she can know me. Mm. Wow. Wow. Is that just amazing? Yeah, wow. So she constructed what a, what a this whole yeah. she constructed this whole pedagogy about what can happen <laughs> with a journal with a deaf kid. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's amazing. Very good. I want to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we can hear more about the journaling conference coming up, celebrating the 30 years and mm-hmm. the 30-day challenge. Wonderful. Thanks for listening to Journal Talk. This episode is sponsored by EasyJournaling.com. Easy Journaling is the only website focused on digital journaling, serving a growing audience looking for the best journal app, online journaling tools, and the best digital journaling practices. Check out www.easyjournaling.com and receive a free download of The Three Things You Should Know Before Starting a Digital Journal. And now, back to more Journal Talk. We're back with Kay Adams on Journal Talk. Very excited, uh, Kay, to have you here. Thank you so much for your time. And and just you've filled my head with so much information and possibilities and I'm so inspired that helping people through written word is is out there and growing and in ways I could never... It's funny, you mentioned 30 years. It was 30 years last summer that I even started my first journal. uh, So I'm celebrating a little 30-year milestone last year, too. What's it been been like for you? I mean, what's... Where was it when you started? You started in what, 85? You started in 85? Yeah, started in 1985, and I had no idea that journaling was a thing. Like, I heard about people keeping diaries, you know, especially the girls, um, but uh, I kept it, and it was in silence. I didn't tell anybody about it. It was like a secret um, best friend that I had in my my, um, file drawer, you know, at, at home. I had kept it hidden from everybody didn't even know what it was going to do. I just, I just thought, wow, I just want a special place, you know, where I can mm-hmm. put down my secrets and the thoughts and angst and triumphs. And, you know, it was, it was my best friend. 
Did you have an idea that you might someday join with other people? And did it even occur to you that you might have a journal group, much less facilitate one? Not at all. No, <laughs> I, it was not on my mind at all. It was not, not on your radar. Yeah, years later, years later, when I started to see, you know, wow, this is really, I wouldn't credit my journal for, you know, me making maybe a better decision than I would have because I had thought out some of the, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. some of the alternatives. I didn't credit my journal for that. I just thought that's, you know, I just was Mm -hmm. living my life. But when I started to see that, wait, you know what, this is really impacting me in a powerful way. I can't do a, you know, a with and without test because I've been doing it for a few years, but I can see that this is definitely helpful. And, mm-hmm. in, and I, that's when I got my first inkling. It was probably about when I was in my 20s. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Getting some cool. idea that maybe there's something to this writing thing. I don't know what to mm-hmm. think about it yet, but I'll look it up yeah, later. Yeah, that's in the summer of 1985. While you were having that realization, I had just left my sort of semi-permanent freelance writing job because I hated it and because I was starting graduate school in the fall mm-hmm. and I decided to just take the summer off. And I can't tell you how many times in that one summer journal I wrote, I don't know what I'm going to graduate school for. I don't know what I want to do with a counseling degree. All I know is that what I really want to do is write in my journal and hang out with my friends. <laughs> <laughs> and it turned out pretty well. <laughs> that fall, I started teaching journal writing classes and, you know, the rest is uh, evolution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. That's a great, that's a great, <laughs> that's that's a great best uh, foreshadow. I, I want to <laughs> yes. write in my journal and hang out with my friends. <laughs> yes. There you go. The power of the law of attraction right there. Yeah, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and foreshadowing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us about the conference. Okay. So yes, the yes. conference, the journal conference 2016 The theme of our conference is Pioneering the Next 30 Years, and it is going to be a collection of visionaries and facilitators and teachers and students and trainees and trainers and people who work with journals in their work and people who just love to write journals and love to study from people who love to teach Mm -hmm. from their own experience about writing journals. So, you know, we're teaching the teachers, the students are teaching the teachers, we're just, it's one big (laughs) journal fest. It's going to be held at Canuga Conference Center in Asheville. Well, it's not in Asheville. It's in Hendersonville, North Carolina, but it's very close to Asheville. That's the airport people would fly into. Mm -hmm. And it's May 19th through 22nd, 2016. Very good. And this is not your first conference. No, it's my third conference, actually. For my 40th 40th birthday in 1991, I was going to a lot of 40th birthday parties where there were black balloons and, you know, cards that said, you're over the hill and too bad about you. And I thought, that is so depressing. And so this is how we celebrated 40 in 1985, apparently. So I decided to have a conference. (laughs) Journal to the South had just been out a little while, and I wanted Mm -hmm. to go national, but I had no idea how to do that. But I thought probably speaking at a conference would help. And so I decided to have a conference and speak. Mm -hmm. And Christina Baldwin came and Dan Wakefield, who wrote the new story. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Kaylee Hagan, who wrote Internal Affairs. And we had a wonderful time. It was just great. There were about 120 people there. And that was great. And then in 2008, 
I had another conference here in Denver that had about almost 400 people there, and it was just it just took the roof off. I mean, it was just phenomenal. I've met people who have attended those conferences, yeah. and they just they it was a very memorable event. Um, yeah, well it was really very. It was like a portal <laughs> that we went through. I mean, it represented a paradigm shift in the work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, yeah. So this conference is a little bit different. It's going to be more. Well, I think I, you know. Who knows? It'll be what it will be. But I think I hope it's going to be a little bit more relaxed and laid back. I mean, it's, we're still having powerful, powerful stuff, but it's not as. I remember the. 2008 conference is just vibrating. I mean, it was just buzzing. Mm. There was just this mm-hmm. constant and energetic right. field mm-hmm. <laughs> that we had co-created that was really hyperspeed. And this conference feels like it just wants to be kind of the, yeah, yeah, you don't have anything to prove. All you want to do is hang out with your friends and write in your journal. Mm, more like and a so retreat. I'm, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because it's in this gorgeous, gorgeous summer camp, conference, I mean, landscape, environment. There's mm-hmm. The housing is in cottages, so you have a house full of people that you are sharing toothpaste with and mm-hmm. shampoo and bathrooms and bedroom. You know, it's like double occupancy most of the time because it's a house, yeah, <laughs> which is yeah. a screened-in front porch that has, I mean, it's just gorgeous. There's a labyrinth. There's nature walks. How many people can fit on the... That's the, the thing. That's the thing. How many angels can dance on the head of a pin? How many journal right. writers can jam into can you a... put in one? Yeah. 275 is pretty uh, much our number. Okay. okay. Uh, I think All that's right. our number. And I think... I don't know. I mean, it can go one of two ways. Either it will immediately fill up with people who are brand new to this process, or it will immediately fill up with people who you know, have been waiting for the registration doors to open. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, how to yeah. go. What I am affirming, the circle that I have called is that, well, it's the same thing I always do. The people that need to be there will find their way. There is a huge artistic community I know, uh, I know. in Asheville. And yeah, that's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. And you know, so, yeah, you were there for the poetry, the poetry. Yeah, poetry yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful area. So beautiful. Just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. It's as beautiful as Colorado in a different way. It's more like France or something. I don't know. Um, speaking of pioneering in the next 30 years, the theme of the conference, too, I wanted to um, come around back to the 30-day challenge. Oh, yeah. And uh, for those who don't know, Kay was one of those who uh, joined me in that inaugural month of October 2014 when we were launching and uh, approached me and said, hey, I'd like to help you, you know, get some statistics together on this. And Kay helped me formulate questions that we can ask people before they took the 30-day challenge, after they took the 30-day challenge, and then helped me to basically crunch all the data. I remember weeks of spreadsheet conversations over, you know, what tab is what and <laughs> trying to yes, figure and out. I have to say... I have to say that, that that is the royal we you are using. We did not crunch the data. You crunched the data, and I sat by and tried not to cry as I looked at all of this massive amount of information. But then you made it magically appear in something that made sense. And it was really quite an experience to work with that level of data management. Thank you. Amazing that's job. My software, that's my software and project management experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, it came through. Came through yeah. For and then what I wanted, 
in addition to just being curious and wanting to support the concept of digital journaling, I had some specific questions that I wanted yeah, to yeah. So discover that would be of use to therapists, specifically in working with clients in their journals, because much of my work right now is in training you know, therapists and facilitators to do this work professionally. And, right. and when men come, I mean, I just wondered, there's always been a very, very high preponderance of women to men in any self-selected journal writing group. Um, it's different mm-hmm. than hospital programs or group home programs. Why do you think or, that is? Why do you think that is? Well, I think it's because women have an entree up until very recently. I mean, things changed. There was a paradigm mm-hmm. shift in this when digital journaling kind of came on the scene and when journaling reached the critical mass that it has now. I mean, now Pennebaker studies are everywhere. Mm-hmm. And everybody knows that there is research. I say everybody, everybody in my world. And I think there is just a hugely growing consciousness based on the number of publications and the type of publications and the reach of publications that are routinely reporting on expressive writing. Mm-hmm. Things like the Huffington mm-hmm. Post, the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, the Bloomington yep. Review, you know, you name Scientific American, Psychology Today, Cosmopolitan. Mm-hmm. Heck, it'll probably be track Geographic pretty soon. <laughs> yeah. And these are all, you know, they're Internet editions. So there's a lot written and read and absorbed in the culture about the propensity of people to write journals and to have an entire, you know, body of information and literature around that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's something that was different 30 years ago when you started writing a journal and I started teaching journal writing. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't have people who just knew all about this. It was kind of the secret handshake. I was going to ask you, in your words, what we learned from... Oh, okay. So here's what I think we learned. I think we learned that it is not the case that men won't or don't want to write journals. When offered the tools that appeal to them... We had, I think you were very successful in demonstrating that there is no discernible difference between writing by hand and writing digitally if the person is comfortable writing digitally. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the vast majority, 78% of women, 81 or 82% of men, were said that they were comfortable or very comfortable writing digitally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Compared to that... 80-something percent of women, but only 59% of men said that they were comfortable or very comfortable writing by hand. So we have this percentage of people, men, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 81% are comfortable writing digitally, but only 59% are comfortable writing by hand. <laughs> what if we just gave that group of men permission to write digitally? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's something that is like therapists want to know this. <laughs> you yeah, know, anybody yeah. who's facilitating both genders in a helping way and using writing wants to know how to engage men because men mm-hmm. are reluctant to engage in the same way that women are. The other difference right, right. is yeah. yeah. The other big difference between the genders is that women started writing very young, something like eighty percent more than half of women had written, started their diaries and, or journals in childhood, and yes. more than 80% by the time they were 
out of college had started writing a journal compared to, and only 9% had started in the last two years, compared to almost 50% of men who had started in the last two years and only like 7% or something had started in childhood. So a very, very much different generationally kind of thing. I mean, you can take a 55-year-old woman and a 55-year-old man and the 55-year-old woman has been writing for 40 years. A lot longer, yeah, yeah. And the 55-year-old man has been writing for 18 months. Wow, so yeah. You know, it's funny. I love where you're taking this and how you've... So in addition to the difference between handwriting and electronic writing, you brought this layer of the, the genders and how it can be useful. You know, when, when I first started this, I wasn't really thinking about... Uh, gender differences, and I, I can see this lens that we've um, been able to see through. Um, right, yeah. All the questions yeah. and everything, you know, just being able to gather that, wow, it really puts a spark, um, I would imagine, for the helping professionals who, you know, want to reach out to uh, men with uh, this tool, and maybe in the past always feeling a little discouraged that it's not uh, working or not available to them in the same way. Yeah, and it breaks new ground. I mean, really, it it was a very cool thing that you created and continue to create on a daily basis. I mean, it's a really very nice way to introduce people and to introduce them to community with each other because the thing that we didn't look at specifically, in this study at least, is what is the role? I mean, we did to a certain extent because there was a Facebook group and the people who participated and the intention of that was to see if we could start to get a measurement on the role of community, yeah. you know, the virtual writing circle as opposed to the face-to-face writing circle. And there were a limited number of people who were actually active on the Facebook group for, you know, most or all as of the 30 expect, days. Yeah, as we'd expect with anything. Yeah. yeah, as we would expect with everything. And then not all of those returned the survey, et cetera, et cetera. So we had a really limited pool of people who could offer commentary on the experience of writing in community, and all of them were very enthusiastic, almost all were very enthusiastic. The people who participated were participating because they were getting something out of it. Right, right. And we would have to do, you know, a whole different study with just Facebook subgroups, you know, little email pockets of groups to test the role of how people who are writing digitally can connect with each other. Is there anything that you would have the uh, Journal Talk communities consider before we sign off? Well, I just want to say to the Journal Talk communities that I love it that we are all part of a, a bigger communities. You know, mm-hmm. I've got my little circle of my little orbit and you've got your orbit. And, you know, we have this wonderful collaboration that is available to us. And Nathan, you're an active part of our community and I'm feeling like an active and welcome part of your community, and I just appreciate the collaboration. I am Thank you. I am so happy that one of the things that has happened 30 years out for both of us is that we have the opportunity to do and extend this wonderful work with each other and with so many people, and I'm very yeah. appreciative of that. Yeah, very good. Thank you so much. Thank you okay. for the nudge. The people who Take are interested, um, we'll be unrolling the new journaltherapy.com in probably January. So uh, maybe you can put out a note when that happens. There you go. Yeah, that would be okay. great. And I'll put links up to all these great things. This is all, That's great. I'll be Thanks. On the, on the Thanks, Nathan. I really appreciate it. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. 
This episode of Journal Talk is copyright and brought to you by Write for Life, a web resource for living with passion, clarity, and purpose through journal writing. Find us online at www.writeforlife.us, spelled W-R-I-T-E, the number four, L-I-F-E dot U-S. Thanks again for listening to Journal Talk. Ta-da.